overall impact of the business in the next one year there's more about us understanding the stakeholders more deeply helping solve the right problem statements and then creating larger solutions for them and then becoming a uh, you know a single source of truth for them so that uh, you know they can rely on us for the complete sourcing the complete demand generation the complete merchandising solution complete automation of their entire facility so it could be a retailer it could be a farmer it could be a exporter it could be a dyeing unit it could be a printing unit it could be anybody in the ecosystem hi Welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hari Arakli, and in this episode, Mayank Tiwari, co-founder and CEO of Reshamandi, a natural fibers venture in Bengaluru, talks about how the company is seeing strong growth, having found its product market fit over the last 12 months especially. He also talks about the ambition to make the company the first destination for any natural fibers product in India and abroad with complete traceability built on top of a strong digital tech backbone. Mike, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this and I guess I should say welcome back although I guess it's been a little bit over the year over a year since we last spoke and I was going through that uh, audio and I realized that uh, last time I never got around to asking you about what uh, you all did before you started uh, uh, Resha Mandi maybe so a uh, good way to start is give us a quick snapshot uh, you know of your path that led up to Resha Mandi and we'll go from there Sure thank you thank you for calling us uh, and calling me back into the podcast Hari and uh, always excited uh, to talk to you. So, just from the you know what I was doing before this, I have had uh, multiple uh, experiences. So I started my career with high fashion uh, after me passing out of NIFT, mm-hmm. where I was basically leading uh, designer wear labels, domestic operations, end to end from procurement to production, all the way up to the retail management. and then i switched my career into an e-commerce portal where uh, i was leading their buying and merchandising practice which basically uh, this we are talking about 2008 india hadn't seen e-commerce and i was basically working with them and it was a very exciting phase of my life mm. uh, we had around seven procurement centers across the globe and we were selling to us and europe and um, i kind of got to learn how digital can play a very big hand in terms of you scaling faster uh post which i started a company called next step research and development working with uh, uh, you know central ministries to a solve for uh, you know the inefficiencies of production processes in crafts handlooms mm-hmm. and uh, garment and textiles uh while also helping the artisans and the weaving clusters of india to get the uh, you know uh, directly connected connect to the uh, retailers through event based ips which i uh, kind of worked on we did that for around 3 and 1/2 years I scaled the team to around 25 people and uh, after that i wanted to learn more about the digital part of the story and i <clears throat> joined a company in bangalore which was a user experience driven product development studio uh, where i was leading their uh, sales to begin with and then i started leading sales and strategy uh helping customers understand what their problem statement is in terms of the go to market in terms of the user experience delivery that they wanted and worked with uh, various customers on e-commerce bfsi security space and otherwise 
again did that for around three and a half four years and uh, after that i became a management consultant on my own accord on a personal level uh, started working with a lot of smes and startups in and around bangalore and goa uh, helping them again with the gtms helping them realize what is the essence of uh, user experience design how they can bring the voice of consumer on the table and uh, around 2019 and i started thinking that i need to start something of my own and uh, what better than the you know the, the industry that you love so much i mean uh, textile and apparels close to heart because i passed out with a specialization in apparel manufacturing so for me i always had seen this problem where the producer uh, when he is trying to sell his goods or when he is trying to procure his input both the time he is not sure exactly what he is buying because nobody is checking the quality when he is wanting to sell it nobody is checking the quality again and he gets dependent on a trader in between to be able to rotate the cash and to be able to have a cash flow uh, maintenance uh, mm. in his business that required for somebody to really go very deep into the supply chain be able to work with all the stakeholders cross connect them in terms of being able to give them a sourcing uh, uh, you know help in terms of being able to give them demand in terms of being able to help them financially and then finally uh, probably at some point in time give them insurances and assurances which allows them to freely do what they are capable of doing which means that if you are a yarn producer you should basically be doing uh, yarn production rather than thinking about how will i get the raw material on time or how will i be able to meet the demand or will i get the demand for the yarns that i am producing who will source who will uh, finance who will assure me that there is a demand outside and that required a large solutioning to happen i started with a very large vision to be very honest and the vision has always been that i'll create a full ecosystem so around february march of 2020 i started thinking that uh, i want to basically start with silk as a natural fiber and go penetrate uh, the farming base first and mm -hmm. then move up in the ladder in the supply chain and finally go to the retailers uh, and then diversify to other natural fibers as well so today what resha mandi is uh is probably that vision getting accomplished and uh, at some point in time probably the first slide that i sent out to saurabh will get accomplished <laughs> right now i think we are we are what, around 30% or 40% there mm -hmm. sorry what is that thing about the sending saurabh something i missed that part and saurabh is your co-founder just for our general audience huh? yes saurabh is my co-founder he was in us at that time he's a, also my schoolmate and he went into technology i went into fashion both of us had different uh, uh, career paths altogether but uh, when i was looking for somebody to help me on the technology side i kind of uh, you know uh, went back to saurav and i said okay here's what i want to do and i sent him one slide uh, only where that slide had uh, entire textile supply chain the broken pieces in it the problem statements defined within them and uh, then the solutions and what kind of different solutions that i can bring to table and then it had three different uh, circles on top of it which basically made the entire ecosystem possible initially was uh, you know if we can help everybody understand what is the quality that they are buying what is the quality that they are selling how do we assure the quality how do we assure the uh, sourcing how do we assure the uh, demand for them and then go beyond that and help them uh, 
come into the financial fold and be able to secure better rates with the banks and the NBFCs, and then finally take take that a little notch higher and go towards insurance and help them understand how insurance can play a very crucial role in uh, you know in whatever they're doing. And overall, you know, what is the what is the global uh, scenario looking like, right? And uh, what is the large market that I'm talking about? Uh, when I sent him that one slide, I still remember sort of calling me after that, saying, uh, "A, not possible. B, you you you've gone crazy." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, "Be it as it may, but I think this is uh, until we create an ecosystem uh, and until we solve for each and every different problem statements that we are that I'm seeing in the supply chain, uh, the platform won't have." Uh, stickiness platform won't get, be able to deliver the right value system to the stakeholders and hence everything has to come to fruition at some point in time uh, then we started creating a roadmap from there and that's what Reshamandi is trying to accomplish today as well awesome uh, so now uh, give us uh, a quick update about uh, what's been happening at Reshamandi over the last 12 months or so uh, I know that you've opened a large uh, Cocoon Mandi, and, and I think you said it is Asia's second largest, uh, and you also made some specific investments uh, in some companies. I think Helios uh, comes to my mind, if I recall, right? So give us a quick update on sort of the most important developments at Resha Mandi. See, when we last spoke uh, at that point in time, Resha Mandi was evolving. We we just ventured into Yans, we just ventured into working with the weavers and helping the retailers get the right sourcing done. But today, what Resha Mandi has been uh, doing and we pro- progress from there is now our business has clarity in terms of uh, us looking at our business from three different PNL standpoint. One, which basically works with the farmers, helping them on the input side, giving them the IoT devices, helping them in- increase the efficiencies, and then uh, also uh, you know giving them the demand uh, for the produce that they have. So. That's basically done through a quality audit process, which we have now, uh, you know, we have a patent pending on this where uh, we've kind of, through image acquisition itself, we've been able to identify the quality of the cocoon. And now we are basically using the same technology and trying to see if we can do the same thing in cotton as well. Mm. So post that, uh, Resha Yans kind of kicks in where we do a quality, again, quality checks so with the Yarn producers from Silk side, which is basically the reeling base of India. And then we recently, around six, seven months back, we diversified in cotton as well. So there is, uh, we supply cotton bale to the ginning units. We pick up the yarns from ginning units, help the uh, spinning units get the quality assured, um, you know, cotton bales. And then finally, uh, help the spinning units also get the demand from Risha yarns because we work with 24 different clusters of weavers in India. Plus, uh, we have diversified towards textile mills. So there is a huge uh, demand that we've been able to generate for ourselves. And then that gets diversified to the reeling. So if somebody is looking for silk yarn, then it goes to the reeling plants. If it's somebody is looking for cotton yarn, then it goes to the spinning units that we work with. Mm-hmm. Finally, we have Risha Weaves, which is now divided into four different legs of business where we have sadis, which is what we start. We started Resha Weaves with, and it's very, very dear to us. I mm. mean, we work with handloom uh, weavers, we work with powerloom weavers, we work on direct sadis uh, getting sourced from different pockets of India, and that gets to around 
4,000 plus retailers in 400 different cities in India right now. Mm. Uh, and then apart from that, we have fabric as a business where we work with the textile mills, giving them the demand, giving them the yarns, and then uh, working with the brands to, uh, you know, assure them of the quality of the fabric that's coming to them. We also have a R&D and a design uh, department, which basically does a lot of blending of material together to be able to, you know, A, help you come down to the right price point that you want for your fabrics mm-hmm. or the garments that you want. Or, uh, you know, you might just want to uh, try something new into the market. So, you know, imagine a banana fiber getting fused with silk mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, linen getting fused with silk. So things like that. And then we have home furnishing as a division, which has recently started. And uh, we work with brands out here where uh, we kind of generate the demand from there and work with the home furnishing setups across India, the export houses where we kind of give out the demand. We also give them the fabric and uh, ask them to do the value add, which is basically their uh, you know, it could be embroidery, printing, screen print, rotaries, otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And then the final leg of the business is uh, where we have recently, again, started the business. It's around cotton, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, around apparels, where we have mm-hmm. now bases our design team's forecast for India. Uh, we come out with our own apparel range, which goes to the different uh, retailers based in India, the specific. Mm-hmm. And um, this is in women's wear. This is also in men's wear and kids wear. We are launching our women's wear with the festive season coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, around October, we plan to launch our men's wear as well. Then uh, apart from this, uh, the other factors is that we wanted to always remain a zero-wasted supply chain. So we kind of uh, uh, you know, started a business around pupa, which was the reeling waste that came out of the silk uh, reeling plants and help them get the right demand uh, for the pupa and now we process uh, raw pupa into dry powder and otherwise and um, you know get the demand from pet feeds fresh feeds and otherwise so that we work with around 25 different customers there uh, these mm-hmm. are tested uh, you know uh, inputs that goes to these uh, farms as well apart from this like you said we picked up a company called helios where uh, they had a process of extracting sericin, uh, which is the mm-hmm. silk protein from the, uh, you know, waste cocoons. Mm-hmm. And now we are utilizing that. Uh, this company is started by a dermatologist. So he understands how cosmetology and dermatology kind of functions and what kind of products he can create out of the silk base. Mm-hmm. And this is the products uh, that basically will go out in the market around October timeframe as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what's happening. So many things. <laughs> and so many questions to follow up with. Uh, okay, so so the first one, uh, very briefly, uh, any uh, quantifiable uh, way in which you can look at how much within your supply chain ecosystem you've been able to reduce the waste? So from the reduced reduction of waste standpoint, I think uh, from the pupa standpoint, today we pick up around 50% of the pupa that comes out of the supply chain or the reeling units that work with us. We've been able to uh, get the demand for that. On the, the other hand, if you're looking for saracen, it's the waste cocoon that comes out of the farmlands or the reeling plants as well. We utilize 100% of it to extract saracen and then uh, create silk protein out of that. And uh, so, yeah, this uh, tie up with Helios, I mean, I'm quite fascinated by it. And in fact, one of my questions probably down the line was, and I was, I was wondering about other applications of silk and the other fibers that you're now diversifying into. So beyond apparels and furnishings, 
what kind of interesting applications uh, are you already working on you know collaborating with uh, the helios team and, and your own r&d and so on so basically see r&d for us remains uh, at the very base of ourselves and uh, for us it's about understanding how we bring more value to you know to our stakeholders now if i diversify towards technical textiles uh, and we kind of talk about that then um, you know the cotton husk that comes out or the cotton uh, waste that comes out which can be used for textiles and apparels we are trying to see if we can use that for home insulation purposes mm-hmm. similarly uh, on helios front as well like uh, the extraction of sericin uh, is one part of it the other extraction that can be done of the silk protein is for fibroin which can be used for wound cares and uh, otherwise so we are trying to see if we can um, you know uh, diversify towards that as well so there is a lot of other uh, you know lines of businesses that we are looking at opening bases what our r&d team comes up with and our r&d process is simple we first do a lot of r&d probably take 6 8 months on doing the right uh, you know get out with the right parameters in the mind and then finally start doing the testings once the testings are okay is when we would like to take those to the market so it it is a one year journey from here on out to kind of probably pick up on couple of r&d projects that we are working on right now and now with your uh, sort of three pnn lines uh, crystallizing uh, over the last 12 odd months give us a sense of how the company has been growing 2021 22 how did you do and what's the current year looking like so see when it in our first year of operation we did a 20 crore top line and uh, we were doing a good margin base at that time as well but uh, the next year kind of went into 450 crores which is this year's uh, march we closed at 450 crores these are mm-hmm. unordered uh numbers but uh, these are the provisional numbers that we have in hand and our gross margins also improved from last year to around uh, by around 15 to 20% and now in the first quarter itself of uh, this financial year we've been able to accomplish what we accomplished last year completely so our q1 has already i mean our first four months have already surpassed uh the last year's figure and we are expecting that next year march will close at around 2000 crores with our net margin improving by around 10 to 15% again so does that mean overall you're now a profitable company uh overall i think this month will be a bit a positive company and we this is this is our expectation we are trying that within this quarter we at least turn a bit a positive and uh, we're looking at going part figure positive next year mid somewhere mm. Mm. and and you also had plans of expanding overseas into us eu uh, supplying uh, silk and other products and also in africa to see if you could uh, get some mulberry production going uh, yeah. can you give us an update on that so from the mulberry production standpoint we are still in discussion we have done some pilot phases there and we are trying to see if we can work in africa there and uh, uh, there are some uh, you know we're trying to get past regulatory challenges and otherwise so we're trying to figure out how we kind of expand that line but on the other hand on the international expansion side we've already picked up demand from the international territories and we've been able to start i mean we've already started supplying to international brands we are looking at uh, now holistically as a international as a business for us and uh, that's why uh, within the team we have carved out a team which just can basically focusing on international business and uh, i think uh, in next 
by next year march we'll have a healthy pipeline there and uh, we're looking at uh, probably becoming sole uh, suppliers to some of the biggest brand that you might just wear or see or uh, you know pick up a bag from mm. so uh, if i can ask you to sort of step back and look at uh, all that's been happening at resha mandi um, today what do you see the company you know sort of what's the direction in which it's evolving and i mean of course a little bit of crystal ball gazing but 3 5 years down the line uh, what's the kind of company uh, do you think resha mandi is going to be See, Reisha Bandi's vision has always been and will always remain that we want to clothe the humankind in natural fibers, mm-hmm. which means come what may and do we need to do whatever. We'll try and create sustainability, uh, regenerability and recyclability into the supply chain to be able to assure the end consumer that whatever they are wearing is pretty much traceable, pretty much sustainable and, uh, you know, at the end, the garment that you are wearing is going to support the stakeholders and they are going i mean there uh, there's going to be an improvement on their income side as well that's the larger vision at play right now mm. yeah since since you brought up uh, sustainability uh, can you talk about uh, what you all are brainstorming in terms of making your own operations more you know bringing it closer to carbon neutrality as well as in the broader ecosystem if you can talk about any initiatives that you feel you know is already helping farmers and going forward will help them more see i'll tell you uh, from our supply chain standpoint we are trying to optimize our own logistics cost and we've kind of brought it down very very uh, harshly ourselves and we are trying to optimize our routes we, uh, we have a team now completely focusing on that to make sure that you know the carbon footprint kind of goes down while we are transiting any of the goods the second part of uh, it is because we are working on the iora devices with the farmers what it does is it kind of gives you the data from the farm field itself now uh, we are trying to work with the brands outside india to see if we can uh, bring the regeneratability of the farm uh, because farms and oceans remain the largest carbon sinks to be very honest and if anybody is looking at reducing their carbon footprint they need to be able to regenerate the farm field make sure that there is less pesticide and insecticide that's basically used there and uh, the farm kind of all by itself is able to uh, come out with the produce that it's supposed to come out with you continue to rotate the crop and then uh, you know it's kind of give out the prosperity to the farmer as well and somebody needs to support them initially uh, and that's that's what we are discussing with the brands where you know we are asking them to support the farmers while also getting the traceability for themselves and the sustainability uh, within the supply chain that they work on so if it, if a brand is looking for let's suppose a cushion cover getting sourced out of india then we will work with the factory we will work with the textile mill we will also work with the yarn mills and the farmers uh, at the end but while we give out the traceability to you we'll also ask you to kind of give out a bit more rate so that the farmers uh, you know if you want to really work on organic cotton or organic silk or anything of that sort then we'll make sure that the farmer is not using any of those materials to assure you that it's organic and uh, it's sustainable uh, allowing the farmer to kind of generate the same income that they were supposed to generate and allowing the brands to kind of get the carbon uh, credits uh, all by themselves hmm. uh, tell us a little bit more about the on the technology front uh, i know you've been using iot sensors for quite a while and i think you've also set up uh, 
nearby centers uh, i think we you call them proximity uh, yeah. centers to help farmers with the quality uh, testing and so on uh, on the tech front uh, Uh, give us a sense of uh, some of the the biggest innovations that you're really proud of uh, you know as of today and things that you're working on see our iot is now divided into two parts one is for the rearing shed on the silk side and second is for the farm field itself so uh, what we've been able to accomplish on the farm based iot devices this is in collaboration with fasal which is again a agri tech company uh what we've been able to do is save around uh, 70% water on these farm fields and mm-hmm. increase the yield by doing this uh, by around 40% that allows for the farmers to not have a problem of not having mulberry enough mulberry to be able to feed and dropping the cycle on the crop and the second part is our rearing shed iot devices have been able to give out around 10 to 15% more uh, productions to the farmer with the same input what does this allows for the farmer is that today if i go and t- talk to them and say okay let's stop using insecticide pesticide and things like that they are more than willing to hear me out mm-hmm. the other aspect that we are very very uh, proud of is uh, the quality testing mechanisms that we've been able to come out with so today our technology team can actually identify a fabric and a sari just by a click of image and mm-hmm. that allows for uh, the quality audits to happen faster uh i mean if you go to any of the export houses or the textile mills it's it's a nightmare to go through the entire uh, quality audit process because it takes around 3 uh, to 4 days and sometimes more uh today at least the first prelim uh, quality report is out with you in a click of an image and then you can go into the specific uh, testings that you would want to do which requires physical testing to happen uh but that's fine i mean at least uh, you get a sense of what is happening on your lines and you get a sense of what is happening on your supply chain as well the other aspect of the technology that we've been able to bring forward is ecosystem.reshamandi.com which kind of gives a brand or a retailer a complete visibility into their supply chain so today uh, as a brand you would be able to know uh, where is your produce so if you've kind of given us a order of shirts men shirts then uh, by the time um, i mean the yarn is getting produced we'll be able to give you a complete uh, cyclicity of it we'll be able to tell you exactly on a daily basis how many kgs are getting produced what is the quality what is the audit looking like and then accordingly you can plan uh, you know rather than planning a whole shipment in one time you want to get to fast fashion yourself you'll be able to plan <coughs> sorry you'll be able to plan you know smaller shipments yourself you'll be able to plan your um uh, you know retail presence better you will be able to plan your category uh, outlay better in the in the retail, uh, in your retail stores what it also allows uh, for the brands is that they can work with a minimal mocus they don't have to kind of go for very large mocus and then block the capacities every time and uh, then get it gets very confusing at some point in time right because you can't just keep on having the same style come out every time right it's not like a plain basic white shirt understandable but if the shirt is supposed to be a fashionable shirt then it has to change with the fashion cycle and then you require to uh, have uh, you know better visibility into the supply chain as well mm. uh, just quickly what is the acronym moq moq is minimum order quantity all right and uh, you were already using data for embedded finance and you you've mentioned insurance so i'm just wondering uh, today how's that looking and uh, beyond the finance uh, because of the massive amounts of data that you collect are you able to 
you know surface uh, other insights which could feed back into uh, helping farmers and other stakeholders across your supply chain so see we have resha mudra as a setup now which is basically we have applied for our own nbfc license also we are partnering with nbfcs and banks here as a platform mm. where we are trying to kind of give out uh, invoice discounting as an option and a buy now pay later as an option and things like that where we are underwriting our own transactions now if you go to a reeling unit or you go to a farmer it's very very difficult for them to kind of go to a organized player and say i want to loan because mm. nobody is able to underwrite them we are able to underwrite our own transaction and because we don't deal in cash our entire transaction is through a bank account we can underwrite the bank statement and then accordingly kind of create the cam and then send it out to our partners to be able to underwrite it mm-hmm. and move forward from there and give them a better credit uh, uh, you know rate at the end of the day mm-hmm. but the other aspect of the data that gets generated into our ecosystem is we now know uh what works in chandni chowk uh, versus karol bag in delhi itself so mm-hmm. what we come out with as every 15 days we come out with our own forecast report now this report uh in india people don't do forecast i mean uh, most of us kind relied uh, relied on uh, an international forecast which is either by wgsn or promo steel and things like that mm-hmm. which um, basically what we do is we follow the foreign fashion we don't have our own fashion we don't have our own forecast what at resha mandi we are trying to create as every 15 days come out with very localized forecast so if you are a retailer sitting out of hyderabad in jungli hills then i'll tell you in next 15 days what will work in jungli hills what colors will work what kind of sarees you should pick up what kind of uh, coordination of colors that you should pick up uh, what should be your border sizes and things like that so i can give you those specific nuances which allows for a retailers to have a larger throughput in their sales cycle which also then kind of percolates down into the supply chain because the moment the retailers have a larger sales throughput and a better sales throughput it kind of allows for the demand to get created in a shorter cycle and hence that demand visibility can be given out to the entire supply chain and then the supply chain can work towards that demand um you mentioned uh, some of the impact of uh, resha mandi uh, in the beginning uh, when you talked about your expansion if you can sort of uh, pull it all together and talk about today uh, what's the what's been the impact of resha mandi already i mean how many farmers have you touched how many reelers how many cities in india and also uh, you've been working to improve the farmers uh, revenue as well so give us a kind of snapshot of the overall impact of resha mandi sure So from the farmers standpoint today we work with around 75000 plus farmers across silk and cotton we have around 12000 plus farmers on cotton and then we have uh, around 8000 reeling ginning and spinning units who work with us we have around 8500 plus weaving units and textile mills who work with us and then we have around 4000 plus retailers across 400 cities working with us apart from this there are around 20 to 25 different brands who are working with us in different capacities and uh, the overall uh, you know the value proposition has been that the farmer should be able to see uh, uh, you know the his his profit going up his revenue going up and that's what we've been able to accomplish as well i mean today we have seen that the farmers are now coming back so uh, in sericulture field they're ready to uh, you know let go of the crop and they look at this as a cash revenue uh, basis it's it's a per month crop it basically allows them to generate more income for their families 
while on the uh, you know the yarn manufacturer side and the weaver side it's about getting the cost effectiveness of around seven seven and a half percent and then being able to uh, generate the same amount of profits uh, that they used to make beforehand and uh, kind of escalate that profit by around a percentage point or two and then if you go towards the retailer few of the retailers have actually seen our sales throughput of around 2x with us and uh, i'm very happy that the retailers are able to kind of visualize the overall impact that we can make with them because now what we are trying to basically create uh, for the retailers is a merchandising merchandising layer uh, behind them most of the unorganized retailers in india they don't uh, you know they face a problem of dead inventory we are trying to uh, basically solve for it uh, by making uh, you know if you go to a organized retailer he has a retail merchandising team behind them who is able to rotate the inventory and hence reduce down the dead inventory for themselves we are trying to offer the same solution to the retailers as well so that they don't face the dead inventory issue while they are purchasing they can have an open mind rely on our forecast report have a larger sales throughput and then not have the issue of dead inventory and that's what we've been able to accomplish so far early stages but yes okay over the next 12 months or so what are your uh... top priorities and uh, to get there will you need more money uh, where are you on overall funding and valuation and so on so from the funding standpoint we i mean uh, we did get some funding in between uh, after our series a uh, with uh, our internal supporting us and we're looking at uh, you know i think as a founder you can't keep on uh, just raising the funds but we are uh, looking at raising a round right now but uh, see funding is just one milestone i think the overall impact of the business in the next one year is more about us understanding the stakeholders more deeply helping solve the right problem statements and then creating larger solutions for them and then becoming a uh, you know a single source of truth for them so that uh, uh, you know they can rely on us for the complete sourcing the complete demand generation the complete merchandising solution complete automation of their entire uh, facility so it could be a retailer it could be a farmer it could be a exporter it could be a dyeing unit it could be a printing unit it could be anybody in the ecosystem who's looking to partner with us in some fashion or format we are looking at giving them all the four solutions at at any given point in time and that's the larger vision we have for the next one year okay excellent a very nice update uh, by andresha mundi so many interesting things happening definitely looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation and thank you thank you ari thanks for calling me again and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you that's it for this conversation you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps i'm hari arakali thank you for listening